We've been in a series called Confidence, and confidence is something that we all need walking forward in our relationships and in this, on this road called a, a, a relationship with God. We need confidence. I, I want to read a definition to you, and I'm not going to tell you what the definition is, but I want to read the definition. This is it. Uncertainty, anxiety-filled, lack of confidence. Anybody know what that is? That is the word insecurity. Now, it's interesting, out of all of my 37 years on this planet, I've never once heard someone come to me and say, I need more insecurity in my life. <laughs> you know, is, it, we don't need any more of that. We naturally drift towards insecurity. What I hear people say is, I need more confidence. I, I need more confidence to go to my job and do the things that I need to do, to feel like I'm worthy enough to do them. I need to have more confidence in my relationships to feel like I'm worthy enough maybe to be there or to feel like I can actually take on the challenges that are ahead. I need more confidence. A lot of people say, I need more confidence in my relationship with God. Not, sometimes it's not about doing the right thing. Sometimes it's about, I just need to feel like I'm worthy. You know? Does anybody agree with that without raising your hand? We just, we just kind of feel that way. We need more confidence. But I, I want to tell you this. It's a fact, and I want you to hear me. And this is true whether you are a believer today in Jesus Christ and in a relationship with him, or if you haven't crossed that line yet and you're still kind of seeking it and wondering about it. It's true because we're all here as human beings. That's what we, we, we understand. Here's the statement. You'll never have more confidence and peace than when you know you're in the will of God. That's not a statement that's true for a believer or somebody else. That's a statement that's true of human beings. You will never have more confidence and peace than when you know that you are in the will of a God that made you, is all-powerful, all-knowing, and he knows the beginning from the end. You'll never have more peace than knowing that. I remember as a kid, my dad told me to go down in our neighborhood to where my older brother was and his friends were and tell him that it was time to come in. Now, I'm about eight years old at the time, and if you don't understand, there's an unwritten rule when it comes to siblings, especially older ones, and that's this. You don't tell them to do anything. <laughs> in fact, the, the, the actual fact is they tell you to do something. So I, I never in my wildest dreams would ride up and tell them anything, but this was different. I wasn't going in my own doing. I was going in the will of my dad, right? And so I went about as confident as I could, rode down there on my bike as fast as I could. And if you're a guy in the room, you'll kind of understand this a little more. Uh, I, I, I hit the brakes as hard as I could whenever I got close to him. So my back tire kind of spun around. I left some rubber on the pavement just to show him that I was supposed to be there, you know? And, and, and then I, I shouted out in my loudest, manliest voice I could, Hey, Dad said it's time to come home, right? And I just kind of sat there and looked, and my brother kind of looked at his friends and then looked it back at me, and I looked at my life flash before my eyes. And uh, I, it sounded like uh, I thought like Hulk Hogan, but more likely it was, it was like Mickey Mouse, you know, that I said that. And I, after there's this awkward pause, and he's looking at me, and, and I knew I was there for something bigger. I knew if it ended badly, I knew even then my dad had my back because I went because he told me, right? And so as my life flashed before my eyes, my brother got on his bike and told his friends he'd see him later, and we went home. Thank you, Jesus. And as I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of understood that the difficulties in life get a little bit more complex than that, and they get a little bit more challenging, and I'm being facetious. But that underlying principle has always been the same. I am never the most peaceful, and I'm never the most confident than when I know that I am in the will of my Heavenly Father. You see, He made me. And he knows me, and he knows what's coming, and he has the knowledge and the power to help me. 
And it doesn't mean that I always know the answers. It doesn't mean that I always know what's going to happen next. You know what it means? It means in spite of the challenges that I face, I can still know that God has my back and I can take my next step anyway. That, that's what it means. It's the kind of confidence that the Apostle Paul in the Bible had when he's writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, you know what? We have been beaten. We have been shipwrecked. We have, we've, we've been hungry. We've been naked at times when we didn't have anything to wear because we've been stripped. He said, he, and we've been persecuted by the people in our own nation, and we've been persecuted by people that weren't in this nation, trying to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, but you know what? God delivered me from all of that. I'm still here. And he said, I know he's going to deliver me again. And in my weakest moments, that's where God's strength comes through, and he delivers me. That's the kind of confidence that we can have uh, while we're walking with Jesus Christ. And so today I want to talk about confidence from, from this vantage point. It's a road. It's a road of confidence. Can you just say that, the road of confidence? Yeah, it is. It's this road. And we're going to look at a story in the Bible um, of a man named Gideon. And he was on this road, and, and by the time the story was over, he had this unshakable confidence in God. But it was a journey to get there. It, it was a road. And so we're, we're on these journeys with God, and we have all these things that we're facing. It's a road. And just to give you a little backstory on, on this Gideon guy, he was uh, from Israel, and he was there, and, and, and foreigners had come in at the time, and they had completely annihilated the nation. And when I say that, I mean they came in and took over. The Bible says that they came in and they were thick as locusts, camped everywhere. They took their crops. They took their houses. They killed a lot of them. They killed all their animals. In fact, by the time it was over, the Israelites were living in caves and in strongholds, just trying to find somewhere to survive. Um, they impoverished Israel, the whole nation. Um, there, there wasn't any place you could go where the foreign enemy wasn't. They were, they were there. And during this time, uh, Israel cried out to God for help. And now, a little side note here, the reason why this happened to Israel was because in spite of God helping them in the past and delivering them uh, from all kinds of different situations, they turned their backs on him and decided to do things their own way and even serve other false gods. Uh, and when things got bad enough, they turned to God and they, they cried out. And I want to tell you this, that uh, when you choose to live for other things, you are under the subjection of those things, protection, and help. And they will always not be enough. Always. They will always run out. And this is what happened to Israel. And they cried out to God, and God responded to them. And I'll tell you, it doesn't matter where you are or what failures you've had or where you've come from. When you cry out to a God and play in the place of need, from your heart, God responds to you. You need to know that. And he did, and he responded to Israel through a man named Gideon. Now, interestingly, Gideon had no idea that God was going to do this. <laughs> in fact, by the time we find Gideon and he appears in the story, he's hiding. Just like everybody else, uh, the, the Midianites, the foreign enemy, they had come in and they had taken the crops, anything that they grew, the, the Midianites took. So, so Gideon is actually hiding in this hole in the ground uh, dugout. It was a wine press, and he's down there scraping for food. He's, he's, on a, he's threshing wheat, trying to get a little bit of scraps of food, and he's hiding down there. Um, not exactly the confident type, but he had no idea that God was going to be leading him down this road called confidence. And I want to talk to you a few things about this road of confidence and what you can expect on the way. It's the thing that, that Gideon maybe had no idea was coming, but he had to walk through these things. And the first thing that you can understand about the road of confidence is that God doesn't call the confident. Instead, he makes confident the ones who are called. 
I mean, if, if, if we were going to say God calls confident people to do his will, then Gideon would have never been chosen. He's hiding. He, he is in this, in this wine press doing things that aren't even supposed to be uh, happening. And so he, God doesn't call confident people. He makes confident the called. He's hiding. And in uh, verse 12 of Judges chapter 6, this is what it says. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. Say, angel of the Lord. Come on, say it again. Follow me. Angel of the Lord. Thank you very much, angel of the Lord. He appears to Gideon, and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> and Gideon, how do you think he responded to that? How, how would you respond to that? Are you talking to me, right? <laughs> is there someone else in this wine press with me, right? I, I, but listen, God always addresses you by the potential that he sees in you. He, he never addresses you by what you're feeling currently or what you're currently acting like. God always addresses you with the potential that he sees in you, and he speaks to that. And so he calls Gideon a mighty warrior, and he says, the Lord is with you. Now, I want you to let that just sink in for a minute. I want you to kind of get the whole context of what's happening in this story. His homeland has been invaded, and for seven years, the whole nation has been impoverished. And they've been hiding in caves and scattered, living in, in all kinds of places. Their resources are gone, and he's hiding in a wine press, scraping for food. But the angel of the Lord says, you're a mighty warrior. And the angel told him in verse 14, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And Gideon's response in verse 15 is so typical. He looks at the angel and says, how can I do that? How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. He's talking about one of the 12 tribes that make up Israel. And he's saying, my clan out of the, the tribe of Manasseh, it, it's the weakest clan. And within that clan, my family is there, and I'm the weakest one in my family. And God's looking at him saying, you're the mighty warrior. Isn't that a typical response? Isn't that familiar from us? If, it, when God says to us, I want you to do something for me, we look at him while we're in our wine press, and we say the situation's too dire. Who, who me? I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm too weak, or I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. God, I can't do that. I don't have the education. I can't do that. I don't have the talent to do that. And God, all the while, God's saying, listen, I'm not calling you because of your current situation and where you're at, because of the way you feel about yourself right now. He's saying, I, I have an end in mind that you can't see from here, and I'm going to address you as what I see in you and with the end in mind. But we typically, we just kind of block that out, and we look at where we are. Because just, be, just because God can see the potential in us, that doesn't mean it makes us feel good about it, does it? We, we don't feel good about it at all. Gideon didn't. But it's interesting. He didn't tell Gideon, I want you to sit here until you feel good about it and then move. He said in verse 14, I want you to go. I want you to start. I want you to go in the strength that you have. The instruction came for Gideon when the confidence was absent. And, and that's the way this road to confidence starts in our relationship with God. The confidence may not be there, but thank God that he doesn't call the confident. He makes confident the called as you move forward in him. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are. The doctor may not have good news right now. God may still be calling you mighty warrior. It, it, it doesn't feel good about the decisions that your, your kids may be making, but God says you have enough to get through this. You have what it takes to bring them to, to a saving knowledge of you. The, the money's not coming in, and there's not the money to pay the bills or support the household. God is saying, you have what it takes. Marriage is rocky. You feel like calling it quits. You don't feel anything. 
and you may not feel like where you're at right now, that God has anything that he could use in you, but God saw a mighty warrior in Gideon when he was hiding in a hole. And my question to you is, what could God be seeing in you that you don't see in yourself just yet? He doesn't call confident people. He affirms their identity in who he is. And he calls them a mighty warrior. And then he leads you down a road where he makes confident called people. You just have to know one thing when you start out. It's the same thing that he told Gideon at his starting point in verse 16. He says, I will be with you. I'll be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. And God is telling you the same thing about your situation and the same thing about you. He is with you, and because of that, you have what it takes. The situation may seem dire. The road may seem weary. But he's saying, I'm with you, and you have what it takes. And that's where it starts. You may not feel confident in that at first but he'll make you confident as you follow him. You following me? He doesn't call the confident. He makes confident the call. The second thing about the road to confidence is this, is it's filled with challenges. The road to confidence has challenges. Now, don't you wish that were different? Don't, don't you wish when God called you that it didn't have the challenges? We, just, we, we want God to, to do it for us. We want God to, yes, say this, and we want to feel all the feelings and feel the confidence that we need, and we don't want the challenges that it takes that, that God actually uses to shape us. We, we just want to walk forward and, and nail the end result, whatever that is. I mean, you had thought that God being God and showing up to Gideon like he did and been seven years this whole problem, that God would start out with a battle plan. Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. Let me lay out the battle plan for you. Or at the very least, like, give him a cool sword with a jewel in it that shines, you know what I mean? So he can walk around saying, hey, look at my cool sword. Follow me. We're going to do some damage, right? They didn't do that. Not at all. It's interesting. The, the very first thing that, that God did after telling Gideon that he was a mighty warrior is he put a challenge in front of him, and he addressed the issues in his heart that weren't quite there with him. In fact, he said this. He said, in your town, he said, there's an altar that's built to a false god. He said, and all, all the people in your family are worshiping this false god. Who knows? Gideon may have. I, I don't know. Maybe he didn't. But, but God said, I want you to go, and I want you to rip the thing apart, tear it down, and I want you to build an altar to me, and I want you to sacrifice on it. He could have said anything. He, he could have talked about the miracle he was going to do. And as we read through the story, we're going to see where God accomplished some great things through Gideon. But God is interested only in the miracle of your situation. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in, in you. Why? Because he wants a relationship with you. The, the, the biggest things that God has done through the most godly people in life has happened because there is somebody who is willing to spend massive amounts of time with God and build a relationship with him and put him at the center of their hearts. It wasn't just, hey, let's, let's solve the problems that you have, or let's say, let's, let's attack this thing that you have going on in your life. He always starts with your heart because he wants a relationship with you. And, and so Gideon goes to the town, and he, he, he looks at the altar, and then he freaks out because he waited till everybody was asleep, and he did it at night so nobody would see him doing it. <laughs> Challenges. But he was more concerned about what was going on in Gideon's heart than he was with the actual problem that they were going to attack later. And, and you may be telling God, God, I'm praying for this big thing. I'm, I'm praying for this, this health issue. I'm praying for, for this relationship. I'm praying for the resources that I need. I'm praying for the confidence. God, I need you. I need you. And we can name down those things that we want God to do. And God's priority every time will first be intimacy with him. It will first be to take down those things that are in our hearts that are, we're putting before him and put him there. 
The same, that's, 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 what he, that's what he does. So don't be surprised if when he calls you mighty warrior, don't be surprised when he tells you that, you know what, it's possible for us to get through this together and you get this unction that, you know what, I, I can walk in this. God, it just might be true that you'll help me. Don't be surprised if, if when you start down that road, the very next thing that happens is God begins to show you some things in your life or maybe some old habits that, that creep up from time to time that keep you from him. And he'll want to address those first. He may not want to fix the problem right away. He, he may address something in your heart that has absolutely nothing to do with the situation that you're facing right now that you're praying for help for. Maybe it's a false sense of security that you have in a bank account or a job or some person, and, and God is saying, I want you to, to remove them from your heart, and I want you to create this intimacy with me. You fill in the blank, whatever that is. Gideon had to go to his hometown and destroy an altar that was there. And it created quite the stir. It was a challenge because there's challenges on this road. In fact, when everybody woke up the next morning and they saw what had happened to their altar, they wanted to kill him. And I don't mean they wanted to wring his neck, like figuratively, like they literally wanted to take his life. And his dad stepped in, Gideon's dad, who was one of the leaders in the town, and, and, and kind of stepped up to bat for him and kind of got him off Gideon's back. But they, it changed their view of Gideon. In fact, they actually renamed him <laughs> based on the conversation that happened. Giving your whole heart to God may offend some people in your life. You want to know why? Because a lot of times the things that are on our hearts are attached to people, and people share in that. And when you begin to move that out of the way, it begins to demote people in your life as you begin to put God first, and that offends people. It, it, makes, them, it makes them uneasy. Sometimes it makes them angry. But you've got to remember, God is the one that's promised you confidence, not them. God is the one that is eventually going to come through for you when everybody else is ready to give up. And so when you pray out to, cry out to God, and when he comes through for you and says, I want you to start this road with me, don't be surprised when the very first thing he does is address your heart. And don't be surprised if it makes some people upset, because there's challenges on the road to confidence. And there were more challenges for Gideon. So he does that, he escapes the, the wrath of his town, and all of a sudden there are other armies and other parts of, around Israel that come together to join Midian to completely annihilate and wipe Israel off the map. In fact, the Bible says that while this was going on, there were armies forming, banding together, and 135,000 troops had banded together and were camped in this valley, already crossed over into Israel, and they're getting ready to fight challenges. Now, God had already told Gideon, you're going to wipe them out altogether. And so what happens? He addresses his heart, big challenge, and then all of a sudden he hears that there's armies banding together. Now, what would you do? Would you go forward? Would you step back? Would you go back to the wine press? Would you move to Canada? <laughs> you know, I don't know. We have all these things that we think, I don't, would I go forward, would I not? But the Bible says that, that filled with the Holy Spirit, Gideon gets up, filled with the power of God, and he summons everybody in his tribe, all the fighting men, and then, and then three other tribes. He goes to join him and gets them all assembled together, and by the time he was done, he had 32,000 people. Now, that seems like a lot of people, but 135,000 are waiting. Everything he could do, filled with the power of God, 32,000 men. Now, Understand, he was on this road called confidence, and he had some, some, some battles kind of he had already won. 
God had already called him mighty warrior after all, right? And he was going forward in that. He'd already delivered him from a hostile town hall meeting, right? He, he was building some faith here. So with 32,000 men, he's, he's there. And he's camped uh, right above where all this, this huge army is camped. They're down in the valley. He's kind of up top. And he's standing there. And, and, and the question goes, is God actually going to do what he said he would do? You ever, God ever positioned you? For, to prosper, positioned you to get ready to some great battle in your life, but yet it doesn't look like it could happen. <laughs> but God said it could. So he's there with, with 32,000 people, and he, he does what we do sometimes. God, please show me. Give me a sign that this is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and let me just read this for you. In verse 36 of Judges chapter 6, Gideon says to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I, I'm going to put a, a wool fleece on the threshing floor, and tomorrow morning, if there is only dew on the fleece and the ground is dry, then I'll know that you have saved Israel by my hand, as you have said. And so he tells them, I'm, I'm going to put the fleece on the ground, make the fleece wet and the ground dry which when the dew comes up, it knocks everything, doesn't it? But he's saying, I, I want the, the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet. And if that happens, then I'll know that'll be my sign that what you said is actually going to happen. And so that's what happens. The Bible says, and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day and squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Good. God's still in this, right? Gideon says, God, don't be angry with me, but let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. And, and, and the Bible says that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. And doesn't that great? Don't we want to do that? God, give me a sign. I'm confident in you, God, but I'm not confident in myself. So I need you to help me be confident. So the next sign I see, I want you to just spell out the word love. Let me have the, the third car that comes down, let it be uh, red. You know, you, I, I mean, I'm not kidding you. People do this stuff, you know, and, and we just, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And, and people have often chastised Gideon for asking for a sign. But I, I want to kind of clear up something for you right here and, and maybe make it a, a little less foggy. Gideon wasn't hiding in the wine press when he asked God for a sign. He had already, been, he had already said yes to God several steps along the way. He already said yes to God and faced the challenge head on of ripping apart the altar and giving his heart fully to God in spite of what his town could have done to him. He, he had already summoned by the Holy Spirit, summoned 32,000 people to fight, put his name on the line and said, we are going to defeat Midian and I want you to rise up with me. He, it's not like he was hiding still at step number one. He put some serious faith in God and put action steps to it and said, God, I need you to help me a little bit here. So many times we say, well, I'm going to lay a fleece out like Gideon, or I'm going to ask God for a sign like Gideon did, but we're still hiding in the wine press. We haven't taken the first step. God says, I want you to put some faith in me. Now, is that why he answered Gideon's request? I don't know. I'm not even saying it was a right or wrong thing to do, but what I am saying is, is if you get your heart right with God and begin to take some action steps and trust him, you may not even need a sign. But Gideon asked God. God came through. And once Gideon saw God come through and confirm his word, you guessed it, more challenges. <laughs> it was a, I mean, can, can this guy catch a break? And so early one morning, they're, they're camped out, they're waiting for the battle, and God decides to do something crazy and wonderful and frightening. He, he does this. I'm going to read it to you. It's in chapter 7, verse 2. It says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. 
I can't deliver Midian into their hands or else Israel would boast against me saying my own strength has saved me. I'm like, my own strength? There's 32,000 of us. There's 135,000 over there. We did the whole fleece thing and you came, like, give me a break here, God. And God said, you got too many. So I want you to announce to your army that anyone who trembles with fear can turn back and leave. And so 22,000 people left. (laughs) Scaredy cats. And I can just imagine Gideon watching these people leave and like calling them by name. Hey, you're the first one that signed up earlier. What are you leaving for? 10,000 people remained out of 32,000. And I'm sure Gideon was so excited about this. You know, I'm sure it just pumped him up. Like you just see his face when these people are leaving. When you're on the road to confidence, listen, God is giving you opportunities to be confident in him. So don't be surprised while you're on this road if he begins to take the things out of your life that you're so tempted to put confidence in. He'll, sometimes it looks like lack. Sometimes it looks like resources are being stripped. Sometimes it looks like people are leaving you whenever you need them the most. You are on the right path. Do not bail. That's the moment in time where Gideon's probably, you know what, I'm just going to go back to my hometown or I'm ride this out the best I can in the cave. There's no way we can do this. You may be thinking the same thing whenever resources begin to leave your life or favor seemingly begins to leave your life. God is not putting you in a place to fail. God is putting you in a position where all you can see is him and you trust only in him and he will come through. And so 22,000 people leave, 10,000 remain. I can imagine them looking down and seeing the vast army of 135,000 people. And God goes on to tell Gideon, you have too many people still. You know, <laughs> we, we're going to need to sift these guys one more time. And, oh my gosh, God, if it, when is enough enough? Just come through already. And so he sifts them again, and by the time it's over, 300 of them are there. 300! I mean, I've seen more in a cafeteria than I have seen in this army. And, and 300 people are there. He didn't give him all the answers of how he was going to do it. But he told him, I'm, I confirmed you, to you at the wine press, and I'm still confident in my word. And at verse 7, he says, listen, with 300 men, I will save you, and I will give the Midianites into your hands. Let all those others go home. It's a great story, and we're really excited to see what happens next. But we're Gideon. <laughs> you get that? We're him. We are on this thing. We are on this path called the road to confidence. And we might not be facing a physical 135,000 person army who wants to wipe us off the face of the earth. But we face an enemy called Satan who wants to destroy your faith in God. We, we face an enemy called Satan who wants to attack your worth and keep you from accomplishing things that God wants you to accomplish on earth. You face an enemy who wants, the Bible says, he came to steal, to kill, and destroy. And some of our situations, we feel that but I want you to understand that God is with you and God is the God who comes through whether it seems like you have what it takes to do it or not. They're challenges. They're not meant to make you fearful. They're not meant to make you bail out. They're not meant to show you that God has abandoned you. They're meant to to get your eyes off of those things so that you can focus on the one true God who called you and put your trust in him once again. You have the opportunity to hold on to him in those moments. Because just like there's challenges on this road, just like there's challenges that, that, that shake you to your core, you can understand that also on the road to confidence that God is working on both sides of your challenge. 
He's not just working in you. He's working on both sides of your challenges. Now, I can imagine that night Gideon didn't sleep very well. <laughs> and there was a, a camp that used to have 32,000 people in it, and now there's, now there's 300. Um, and the enemy's camp was below where Gideon was, and, and God woke him up in the middle of the night. He said, attack them. Go. Now is the time. And I don't know what Gideon said or what his face looked like, but God didn't waste any time, and he, he told him this in verse 10. He said, look, if you're afraid to attack them, go down into the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. And afterwards, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. Um, so they go down into the valley where the armies are camping, and the Bible says that there's so many of them that they're as thick as, as locusts out there. I mean, you just can't even see ground, and that the, you couldn't even count them if you tried, like the sand on the seashore. That's what the, the, the Bible says. And so they go down there incognito, and they're hanging out at the outpost of the camp. And they're down there trying to figure out why they're there. And, and all of a sudden, they hear one of the enemies in the camp, these two guys start talking, and one of them is telling the other one about a dream he had. And so Gideon's listening, and his servant, they're, they're sitting there listening. And, and this is what the, the two guys are saying uh, that, that are the enemies in the camp. In verse 13 of chapter 7, he says, I had a dream. And a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp, and it struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. And then the other guy says, you know what, I, I, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. And I thought to myself as I read this, as soon as I heard about the round loaf of barley, that's the first thing I thought that was going to happen, you know, I, that was a joke. I didn't think that. The round loaf of barley coming in, you know, who, that doesn't say the victory, but it did to the other guy. And, 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 and he said, uh, I know this is the, the, the son of Joash. I know this is Gideon. I know that he is going to come, and, and God has given, them into, given us into their hands. So the people that Gideon feared, the 135,000 that he didn't have enough resources or enough effort to face, God's not just working on Gideon. He's working on the other side of the challenges and putting fear in them too. I, I don't know what it is that you're waiting for, but I want you to know that God is not just working in you right now to keep you sane and to keep you comfortable and working in your confidence. God is working on the other side of things too. You, you may have lack in your life right now. I want you to know that God is working right now in other people's hearts to come into your life at a specific time and give you favor. You just don't know it yet. The, the things that you're praying for, I want you to know that, that God heard you the first time and he is bringing them to you right now. It's just not the right time and you can't see it right now. Right now, some of you are facing people that are in your way. There are people that are literally, maybe it's a boss or a coworker or, or maybe somebody in your very family that is standing in the way of what God is trying to do in you. And I'm telling you, God will turn them or he will move them out of the way at the right time. Right now, he's working on you. But I want you to know, whatever your challenges are, because on this road to confidence, there are challenges. The people in the Bible weren't exempt, neither are we. God's not only working in you on this side of the challenge, but I want you to know He's working on the other side of the challenge as well. And in the right time, God will do what He said He would do. Now, we want, to, we want this information at the beginning, don't we? We, we want to hear this, these people talk about this dream, so to speak, at the beginning. And I'm sure Gideon would have liked to have this information too. But he trusted God. He, he didn't have all that information at the beginning. He started the path just trusting in God. He believed God whenever his family was against him. He believed God and still walked with God even when the resources seemed to be fading rather than increasing. 
God may not show you everything at the beginning, but he'll show you exactly what you need to know when you need to know it. Now, I want you to keep in mind that Gideon, even after hearing this dream and after hearing that the Midianites and all the other armies, they were, they were done in, in their hearts. They, they knew what God was going to do. He still had to go get his 300 and still had to go fight. He still had the battle ahead of him. Little by little, his confidence was increasing, not in him, but in God. And so he heard the dream, and he realizes that God's working on all sides of this thing, and it lit something in his heart. He got up, actually, the Bible says he stopped in and he worshiped God. And then he runs back to his camp, where all, and he says he woke everybody up. And it didn't take long, because there were only 300. Right? So he wakes everybody up, and verse 15 of Judges 7, he says, Get up! Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. And you can just see the people kind of waking up, looking around like, what's happening? You know, I was, I was kind of on the fringes. I was going to leave too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether they said that. But 300, did something had to happen for them to stay there. Gideon's heart is lit. He hears the word of God, and he has them get up. The Bible says he divides the 300 of them into three different groups, and he places them on the edge of the camp. And he gives them a clay jar each. Each of them had a clay jar with a torch inside of it and a trumpet. And he gives them each this thing. They reach the edge of the camp. They wait for Gideon's signal. And at the same time, in the middle of the night, they smash their jars. All 300 of them smash these jars. And they shout at the top of their lungs, For the Lord and for Gideon! And they blew their trumpets and lit and raised their torches. Now that just doesn't sound like it's going to work. <laughs> you know, 135,000 people. If anything, it just lit the way to the bathroom. You know what I mean? I don't know. And God may be asking you to do some crazy things that don't make any sense while you're on this road to confidence. I mean, because I, I think about Gideon, and I think, wow, he, he could have decided to gather swords. I mean, there's 300 of us left, but, you know, let's go out like, like the guys in the movie 300. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Nobody knows? Okay. I mean, let's, have, let's, 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 let's just let's go after some people with some swords. Let's do something. Let me, if 22,000 of you are leaving, and then more later, let's leave your knives. Leave your spears. Let's, i got to get all the resources I can get. And, and sometimes we do that. We, we look at the lack in our lives, and instead of sitting and trusting God and doing the things that don't make any sense, sometimes the things he asks us to do, it goes against the very principles that we were raised on. I'm not saying sin. I'm saying I can't go to that person and make it right. They need to come to me. I was the one that was wronged. And that's a, that's a hard feeling, and God is telling you, no, your next step is to go to that person. You want me to do what? You want me to give of myself to them? You want me to do what? You want me to give of my resources to that person that hurt me? You want me to give my emotional state? You want me to make myself vulnerable to them? Lord, I don't have anything to give, but yet you want me to give what I have to somebody that I don't know because they're in need? God, what about my needs? And God, he, he always does this. This is so God. He, he pulls the resources seemingly out of your life little by little so that you're no longer tempted to look at those things to save you, but you're tempted to look at him. And then whenever you get to that place, a lot of times your next step makes absolutely no sense. It's like, God, that's not going to help. In fact, that's actually going to make it worse. I just don't know if I can do that. God's victory and what God brings to you and the, the miracle that he wants to do in your life has absolutely no bearing on what you can bring to the table. 
It has everything to do with your ability to say yes. It has everything to do with your ability to yield your own self and say, Lord, come hell or high water, I will do what you ask me to do. I mean, he could have got swords, Gideon. He could have got spears, but that's not what God said. He said, I want you to do jars and torches and trumpets. And so they did it with 300 people. Now I can imagine when they did that and they yelled and they blew their trumpets and they raised their swords, they're like me on my bike looking at my brother. What's going to happen now? <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're all going to come after us, if we're going to run. I don't, what's going to happen? crazy thing. But the Bible says in, in verse 22, it says, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. I mean, if you'd have told Gideon, you know, how, how was this going to happen, Gideon? Gideon? I don't know how he's going to do it. There's 300 of us. We have torches and trumpets and clay pots. I don't know how God's going to do it. Nobody would have ever thought that that the sound of the trumpets, when they did that, would cause the men to go into complete and utter chaos and turn on one another. The point I'm trying to make to you is this. You have absolutely no idea how God's going to turn your situation around. And when he does it, when you follow him, when he develops that confidence in you to say yes, whether you know what, what, what you're doing or not, he does. And nine times out of ten, I would even argue to say ten times out of ten, God does it in such a way that you didn't see it coming, not fully. He saved this entire nation with means that nobody would have thought that he could do it. With a man who was hiding in a hole when he was called. Is God calling you to a road of confidence? I would say, yeah, he is. He's calling all of us. And with Gideon... This is what it started with, not with this mighty great game plan. It started with God affirming in him who he was. He was a mighty warrior. He says, I, I'm going to be with you. And right now, that's what you need to know. You're a mighty warrior. You have what it takes. You may not see it. You may not feel it. But God's saying, that is what you are. You're a mighty warrior in my eyes. Not because you yourself are, are so great, because, but because I am with you and I have called you. And I am in you. And when I am in you, you're greater than you could ever be yourself. And maybe you've heard God stirring those things in your heart. And maybe your flesh nature and your, your, yourself and your feelings have been trying to suppress that and push it away. It doesn't make God's call any less firm in your life. You are a mighty warrior. And I am with you. And maybe you don't have the answers yet. Gideon didn't either. He just called him. He just said, I've, I'm going to walk forward in you. I'm going to give my heart to you and put you back on the place of my, of my heart, right, right in the center. And then there were more challenges, and, and Gideon found himself asking for signs, even when God had already confirmed things along the way. I mean, there, it's, it's a road, but God is saying, start on it. I am with you. And my question to you today is, would you be bold enough to say yes to that? Would you be bold enough to say yes? Would you be bold enough to step out and to trust God? Because I know he's saying the exact same thing in your situation. That you're a mighty warrior and I'm with you. Can we pray together? God, I, I know there's people in the room right now and people listening online that are facing some hard stuff, that are facing some challenges. Maybe, maybe they don't have people physically trying to take their lives. I, I've, I've lived on this earth long enough to know that that kind of stuff does happen. But Lord... All of us are struggling to try to figure out how we're going to get through. 
Lord, my prayer is that we wouldn't scoff at you when resources fade, that we wouldn't look at you any differently whenever we feel like people are leaving, whenever we feel like favor is being pulled. I, I pray that if anything, we, if we're going to look at you different, let us look at you better. <laughs> let us see you more clearly of who you really are, that you are shaping us. You are, you're pulling things out of our lives so that we no longer look to those things, but we look to you. I, I pray for a bold confidence to step out in faith and walk, knowing that confidence isn't something you zap us with. Confidence is a road. And it's not so much about what we do, not so much about the outcome or the miracle or, or what we do along the way, so much as it is about who we're becoming. We're becoming more confident people in you, more capable of, of producing this, this godly kind of fruit in our lives for your kingdom. I pray that we get our minds off of one outcome or the other in thinking that's success or failure, but, but rather look to you and say, God, I, I just want to say yes to you. And wherever that road leads me, Lord, I, I know I'm going to end up exactly where I need to be. For those of you in the room facing challenges right now, I wonder if you just, if you just be willing to say, God, when you call, I'm stepping out. I'm, I'm, I'm making that decision right now. Would, would you do that? Would you just be bold enough? God hears you wherever you're at. God, I'm, I'm stepping out. I know the next step. I don't have all the answers for step two and three and, and 18 and, and 38, but I, I know my next one and my next step I'm taking. Maybe for some of you, that step doesn't even make sense right now. In fact, right now, you're, you're kind of wondering if you're going to do it or not, but you know what it is, and I wonder if you'd be bold enough to say, I'm taking that one step. God will make it clear later, but right now, my job is to, is to take the step. Maybe you're in the room, and, and your next step is kind of the same next step he gave Gideon. There are some places in your life you haven't surrendered to me, and I'm more interested in you and my relationship with you and being at the center of your heart than I am one outcome or another. I want you. Would you make that decision today? Maybe you've never done that. Maybe today would be the first time that you'd make him the Lord of your life and, and surrender your life to him and put him on the throne of your heart. Those are just some things we say around here to say that God is number one in my life. Maybe you haven't made that decision and you want to make it right now. I'm telling you, God's calling your name right now where you are. He knew you were going to be here today and, and you listening to this is not a coincidence, but the God of the universe, who the Word of God says knew you long before He created the foundations of the earth and was speaking your name and speaking well of you. He's saying, it's time to come home to me right now. Make me the Lord of your life. I love you. I died for you. Would you be bold enough to say yes to Him? Your heart's making a sound to Him right now, and I'm going to pray a prayer. Thank God he, he, he doesn't necessarily rely on words in English. He relies on your heart sound. I'm going to pray a prayer. I wonder if you would just agree with this in your heart. God, I need you. I need you. I, I need you. I can't face this without you. More importantly, my eternity is on the line, and I need you. I'm going to make some declarations. Would you make this with me? I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe you're God's son, Jesus. I believe you came to this earth to die for my imperfections because I couldn't be perfect myself. I believe that you really spilled your blood and died for me, for my sin, and I believe that God raised you from the grave and that you're alive today. And because the Bible is true, I believe in you and I believe that your Holy Spirit resides in me and is going to help me throughout the rest of my time on earth until I get to heaven. I, I don't have all the answers and I'm certainly not perfect, but I trust you and I aim my heart at you, and I, I give you full authority in the decision-making processes in my life. I submit to you. I yield to you. 
Help me with that. God, I thank you for, for all the people in this room and those who are listening online who have prayed this prayer, who have prayed to you and asked once again for you to come into their lives full force and have agreed to take next steps. Holy Spirit, I believe you've been translating that to hearts this morning. I'm just the messenger. Lord, my prayer as we walk out of this room is that this wouldn't be considered just some sermon, but it will be considered life change because of the decisions that people are making after hearing it. Be with us. I know you will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Can we say amen together?